Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I am your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. It is Michael Lee. He is the announcer and commentator for West Australian wrestling juggernauts, New Horizon Pro Wrestling. How are we doing this very early morning, Michael? Fantastic. Been looking forward to this for a few weeks now, so I'm very grateful that we're able to get this sorted in the crack of dawn. I know, right? All, all our uh, life stuff. I know you had some important events to go to, and so did I. So I'm glad we've managed to get it out of the way, and hopefully we can knock it out before you need to go to work. <laughs> it's all a journey. We'll see how we go. Exactly right. What a dedicated man. So speaking of journeys, man, that's a, a perfect segue uh, to asking about yours. So, um, much like me, I assume you began your journey into wrestling, like as a wrestling fan. Uh, and mm-hmm. now I see you as one of the more active people, like in Australian professional wrestling. I see you online and I see you always promoting people's stuff and, and doing things. So how did that journey start for you, man? It was all very gradual. It was just a big, tumble down a hill kind of thing. Um, So I kind of knew about Australian wrestling for a while, but not really, because I I volunteer at the Supernovas and the Comic-Cons, and as part of that, they would always have the AWF, they would have TNT's promotion travel all um, across Australia as part of the conventions. But at the same time, I, I thought that, oh, the wrestling is just all over East, they bring all the people in. So I, I met a lot of the guys that I work with, but at the same time I thought, oh, you guys just have shows over there or like you're staying for like a couple extra nights and then you bugger off back to Sydney and Melbourne, wherever. But then it wasn't until uh, until the New Japan show that came to Perth that I got to talking to Heritor and a couple of the other guys and I just realised, oh, there is actually wrestling here. And it was a bit of a, just like a shock, just like, well, I should probably check it out because I've been a fan since uh, about, God, nine, ten years old when a friend introduced me on a couple of VHSs and I uh, went to a training day, got my ass kicked and let them know that I just wanted to get involved in any way, like not, not in a wrestling capacity, but just wanted to help out. And what started as just helping backstage, helping set the ring up, over time the, all these extra roles kind of kept getting... Uh, off of my way, so it's just, oh, we need a little assistant here, we need someone to help with the cafeteria here, and then it kind of went to, oh, we, there might be like an announcing spot that's available, and the announcer who I co-host with, uh, Mr. Jake Malone's a lovely man, he was trying to find a bit of work-life balance at some point, and it didn't look like he was actually going to be continuing with NHBW for a time, so I was meant to come in and fill in for him. But then he managed to sort himself out, and we kind of became a, a buddy act. So, and th- thankfully, two's not company, uh, and it's been working pretty well for us so far, and still making it work uh, even to this day. So it's been just nearly three years now, but it's been a hell of a journey. Yeah, just uh, it's like step by step and uh, effort by effort, and there you go, and you find and you find yourself sitting there. You, do you ever find, uh, sit behind the table and you're announcing the stuff, and you're like, "This uh, this escalated quite quickly." It, it did a lot. I, I I take 
full blame for that as well. Just like I, I told myself I would kind of get immersed in it after a few months just because I was aware of all the other shows and then I started looking up all the history and then because I try and be active online and uh, about all the other stuff over East as well. So, yeah, I, I jumped I jumped in headfirst and I haven't looked back. Absolutely, man. I, as I said, you come across very active on social media and you always seem very clued in on everything that's going on uh, in other promotions. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, my, my, like, I think greatest uh, issue I have with wrestling and stuff at the moment is there's just so much, right? And there's so much stuff I want to watch and catch up with and between, like, real life and job and wife and making this and doing the various things I do it can be so hard to catch everything I find myself like on the the back burner so quickly you know and then I'm like oh I've got to catch up and and do it all especially when you're trying to do something that's up to date so it can be a full-time job man it can be pretty hectic I tried balancing it for a time and eventually some stuff had to give so at the moment I'm just prioritizing all the stuff I'm doing with NH and then also all the other ventures I got going on, but yeah, I've I've managed to managed to find that balance after a couple of years now. So it's a hard thing to find, but once you have it, you keep it and you cling to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's do a quick rewind, man. You said you got into wrestling through a couple of VHS tapes that a friend showed you. What were those tapes? Do you remember? Uh, no Mercy, two thousand three. That was. Um, John Cena and The Undertaker. Uh, it was a lot of old SmackDown tapings. Okay, back yeah. Back when, back when uh, Vince was shooting with his daughter. Oh, yep, and, yep, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he was uh, belittling Zach Gowan, all those uh, oh, yep. one-legged man, all those glory days of wrestling. Yeah, yeah. But it, uh, yeah, no, a friend of mine. He he had he lived around the corner from my house. He had Foxtel, and he managed to record them and let me have his uh, videos for a week or so and re-record over them. And then eventually my mum kind of saw that I was uh, going over my friend's house a lot and then just like, you know, we'll just buy Foxtel to yeah, save yeah. you all the trouble. And She's like, I'm spending um, more in fuel currently than I would be yeah, on Foxtel. Just, yeah. just, just being a bit more cost-effective. And then when we were at the, the old video easies and uh, – all the blockbusters, I'd see all the old Attitude Era stuff and uh, catch up on all the history and it can't, yeah, I got my first computer not long after that so I'd always be on the WWE website and learn a few things and yeah, so it's, it's never really gone away even after all this time. Yeah, I was the same so I've talked about it on the podcast before but I grew up in Geraldton um, and which is, you know, obviously a smaller city than here, and there wasn't a lot of access to that kind of stuff. So it would be the same thing, like hunting out whatever I could get. It's renting VHSs, uh, and then eventually, you know, this computer class at uh, in school, and I'm like on WWE.com because I didn't have a computer at home, and I'm like, you know, learning whatever I can. And then my auntie who lived in Perth, they used to, I don't know if it was on 10 or 9 or whatever, they used to just get, uh, superstars or whatever and she just used to tape them sort of back to back on like a VHS and then post them to me and I just like you know do all the catch ups and uh, buy the WWF magazine and stuff at the news agency to be up to date and ready kind of for the new pay-per-views that we would get I guess very delayed so it can become a like you say a bit bit of an addictive sort of thing and it's also a bit of a rabbit hole to go down when you're just like 
trying to ferret it out. Yeah. And I, I, I sometimes wonder if I would have maybe been as into it if it had been super available straight away. You know, like it was kind of like this thing yeah. that was mysterious and I was trying to figure it out and that in itself is, is kind of part of the fun, like obscure hobbies and stuff. Yeah, I don't think I realised just like the fact that the, the obscurity of it all kind of is what appealed to me, just that it was such a very like weirdly hush-hush thing and my, my parents knew about it and I'd try and watch my brothers and like they, they watched for a time, they kind of phase out of it as most people do, but uh, clearly I didn't get the memo. Uh, but yeah, it, just the whole... Uh, a world that no one else really knows, and I'm a big I'm a big sucker for storytelling. Yeah. So even after all this time, so it's just a another form of expression and telling a story, and yeah, no, I can't explain. I think I, I just without realizing that's one of the things that appealed to me. Yeah, exactly right. It um, it's something that still follows me to this day as well. Like I think I maybe even still am constantly seeking out more obscure kind of wrestling and stuff as it goes. Like I find myself drawn to independent stuff, to Japanese stuff, to deathmatch stuff. And it's maybe, I don't know what it is. Like even music, I'm kind of that way as well. You know what I mean? I don't know why I'm so anti-mainstream because I'm not. I'm not like, look at this secret thing I've got. But I don't know, my tastes always just kind of uh, journey off the beaten path. And maybe there's something to that where people who are fans of wrestling and things like that are all kind of a little bit that way inclined, you know? Like whenever I have a conversation with somebody like you or a wrestler or whoever it is, we always seem to seem to kind of uh, walk that similar path, you know, than, than the, the mainstream. And it's kind of weird because then you're like looking at the shows, you know, you're looking at the WWE shows. And there's thousands of people in attendance. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this huge thing. But yet still in mainstream, it's kind of like hush-hush where people kind of pretend it's not a thing. Yeah, it's like obviously we want to try and bring it to the mainstream and it's always had not the best success, especially over here in Australia, just people trying to interact and just understand what exactly is independent wrestling over here. But all the people that I, I'm affiliated with and all the people that I know, like, they all are a part of, like, similar fringe um, art forms. I've got a lot of musicians. Uh, some people work in comedy. It's a lot of weird little extra things that everyone wants to try and make a bit more mainstream, but it's not quite there yet. Uh, but hopefully, I give it another few years. People, every Every year it's always a little bit different and people seem to slowly come to grips about what exactly we're all trying to do. Yeah, exactly. And I, I find more and more people that I show stuff or I tell about the podcast and stuff that maybe even aren't like all the way into wrestling are now more open to it and kind of like, I don't know, when you know, you're know you in high school and stuff, people are kind of ashamed of it. People are like, oh, I used to watch that stuff and blah, blah, blah. And like it, you know, get more and more open to it or listening to the podcast and doing things like that. And you start to... Uh, introduce people to it and it maybe doesn't become like as much of like a, you know, uh, taboo subject anymore. I, I never hide it from anybody. I'm always very kind of open about it. I feel like I'm a confident and old enough man now that I can tell people my uh, crazy hobbies and nobody seems to really judge me for it or care. 
now I'm in that mindset. In high school, not a chance. No, I was very, no. <laughs> I, was, I was very introverted, and I honestly, I didn't go through puberty until I was about 18, 19. I, did, I looked exactly the same throughout high school. And to add that little extra layer of just like, oh, yeah, I watch wrestling and other stuff, like, I would have been mortified. Yeah, you're like, I don't need that extra heat. People. Yeah. <laughs> so we are also going to quickly touch on your uh, the work that you do with New Horizon Pro Wrestling. So I, I've been exposed to you guys a couple of times um, and really enjoyed it. And I've seen a lot of advertising for you guys because you've had some like pretty big names through as well. Like I went and saw, saw my friend Hadare uh, at the performance center that you guys have got there at in Coburn. Uh, I seen uh, Filthy Tom Lawler and Low Key with you guys here in the city. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, I think it went to one of the mess hall shows as well. Actually, now I think about it, which is right here. How, um, mm-hmm. How's a lot of that stuff come about? Have those shows been really good for you guys? Because you had some pretty big names through. We had a couple of shows at the mess hall. Yeah, so we had a like our all ages event, and then there was a our adults only show that we had at the mess hall, and we were able to bring over the OG LAX Homicida Hernandez mm-hmm. and also the Undead Bride Sue Young. She was in a Indie Girls match against Lena Cross, which is arguably the best match of that night because it was a lot of yelling between the fans. Uh, both of them had a pizza tray and a cookie tray and each hit one person would yell, pizza, the other one, cookies. <laughs> and it just kind of naturally evolved from there. Uh, Hernandez... <laughs> Uh, brought out a watermelon and uh, cracked it over. I think it was Julian Ward's head. It, it's been just over a year, couple of years now, but yeah. yeah, no, that was one of the big better events. Like we don't always do eighteen plus shows, but that was definitely a highlight. Exactly. I want to. I want to actually go to that. I remember seeing it, and I was like, "Oh, I'd be sick to see Homicide," but like there was something on, and I couldn't get there, and I was gutted because again, the mess hall is walking distance from where I live. Like I was like, I can just stumble across here, and this would be awesome. But but yeah, yeah we don't. We, we we try and like obviously our usual haunt is um, south of the river mm-hmm. in Coburn, but yeah, every now and then we'll venture into the city and we'll try and experiment with a few new venues, like like the mess hall, like the Hellenic Club where we had our last show that you went to and yeah it, it's all like those those venues were beautiful don't get me wrong like they were amazing and hopefully we do go back there one day but yeah usually we try and keep to just like our own little areas and then we'll explore on occasion just yeah when the time's right yeah well I mean you guys have got an amazing venue there um, at the the Coburn News Centre like it's very professional like uh, I was very impressed when I came in and you've got the screen and the entrance and the ring and all these things like you guys have put together a hell of a show there. A lot of um, great people, KGB lighting, uh, Paul Hahn, our towing guy, he's able to, he's helped us out since I think day dot. He's just one of those people that just kind of came around and just like, oh, you're part of the team now. Uh, yeah, it's, we've managed to slowly make it feel like a home and it's been it was it was one of the uh, worst things about last year in that we weren't able to start the year going there because the Fringe Festival happened and they double booked with things, so we weren't able to start 2020 for NHBW there. We had to start at Vision Studios, one of our smaller little events, and mm-hmm. then that's what led us to go to the Hellenic Club, and then quarantine happened. So 
when we had our big final chapter end of year show in November, that had been nearly a year to the day since we'd been there and just a year from like the place that we kind of crafted with bringing all these international guests, all these inter- interstate stars over, it was tough. Yeah. But we're back there and, yeah, we couldn't be happier. Yeah, that's it. So have you guys had any shows back since lockdown or are, are these ones that we've got coming up, are they going to be the first back? So we had a show at the start of the year at Coburn. Uh, oh, do you mean, sorry, during lockdown? Or yeah, yeah, mean... well, well we th- oh. since it's come back, um, since like uh, for 2021 or, or even just after lockdown finished, you know, in 2020. During during 2020, during the lockdown bit, so after a few months, we were actually able to have a few members-only shows. Oh, cool. So, uh, so from like, so the last show that you went to, that was our last public show. Oh, really? The, the so, next, yeah. The, then, then the next public show was Final Chapter. So from wow. February to November, we had three members-only shows. Mm-hmm. That that was a real trick, and like, like, I help out with some promoting every now and then online, and. Just I was hoping that people would understand. Like I was trying to put out as much information beforehand to try and explain to people, okay, this is where the story is gone because some tag teams had split apart, some <laughs> oh, people no. had some new alliances were made, and I was hoping people would just roll with it after like, wait a second, like last time I saw these guys, what, what happened here? But yeah, so it's mo- mostly the our main members audience they were able to fill everyone else in and thankfully i haven't heard anything from anyone saying that they aren't up to speed now if that's the if that's not the case i do apologize but yeah it's all been a it's all been a balancing act trying to bring people back to the point where i are now yeah, yeah, exactly. But people will catch up. Like wrestling isn't uh, overly complicated, so I think no, they'll no. go with it. <laughs> I also like as well that uh, despite it being members only shows, you guys are like we're forging forward. This story is still continuing. I like that you didn't yeah. just go into a holding pattern uh, for for you know three shows or whatever where people are coming in like oh well this is the same stuff I've already seen. Like you guys had a story to tell and it's still going. Yeah, like, obviously, like you, you see a lot of. Uh, promotions, like, I'll, I'll use MLW as an example because they didn't have shows for like a good eight, nine months it feels like and they had like a little weekly show to try and keep storyline beats going mm-hmm. and every week they would have these little like vignettes with everybody but at the same time they were continually dragging out all these stories and it kind of just like, uh, and they're still, they're still kind of continuing them on now to the, uh, now that they've actually got shows again. Yeah. But, yeah, you, you don't want to test people's patience too much and just, like, you don't want people to come back and, like, oh, is this still going on, really? Yeah, that's kind of why yeah. I have tuned out of WWE for the moment, like, because I just felt like I was constantly, every week, three hours on Raw or whatever, seeing the exact same match that would then lead yeah. to a pay-per-view match, which would be exactly the same. And I'm like, dude, I've been watching Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley for, like, three months like, you know what yeah. I mean? and I'm like and it's not good now and it's not going to be good so like I don't don't care and it, that repetitiveness just wears you down you know it like fatigues fans uh, and to the point where they lose interest so I think there's something to be commended about going it's cruising forward you'll catch up it's good like whatever Friday is the spice of life exactly right yeah. <laughs> exactly right um, and so 
you guys who uh, are heading into some some new shows now, you were telling me you've got a big tournament coming up, right? Yeah, so uh, March 20th at the U Centre, we've got our next show, Battle of Honour. We usually have it around February time, but we had our lockdown. of uh, So we had, we had our first show of the year, Reload, and then the very next day is when we went into lockdown. We didn't plan it that way. We didn't know about it, obviously. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, so we have our... Battle of Honor show, and every year we have our tag tournament mm-hmm. in honor of the head trigger Samu, oh, yeah. which um, our our founder Mana, uh, a lot of his wrestling career was with Samu, like oh. they were part of the Samoan Island tribe back in the original MLW, mm. which is uh, one of the things I was really, like, even though MLW didn't have any shows on during the whole eight, nine months during lockdown, they were bringing out a lot of their old footage. Mm-hmm. It's like from the original days, and it was good to actually show people like this is this is our boss. This is what he used to do. Yeah, which was really good. But yeah, so for the past ten years, we've been like now this would be ten years. We've been having a tag tournament. We sometimes brought in people from uh, overseas and brought some people from over east. And I checked this uh, the other day just so that I I don't make a false statement. But it actually is the longest running tag tournament in Australian wrestling. Really. Yeah, so there's a you have, uh, I believe there's a show, a show, a tournament called Invictus in Sydney, run by uh, Newcastle Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. but that's more of a trios tournament, and that's been around since 2015. Uh-huh. But no, not many promotions dabble in tag team wrestling that much, which is very surprising. So to, to find that fact out the other night was just like, why, why are we the only ones? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, sure, and it's just one of the favorite things that we love doing, and yeah, like I said, it's a big part of what Mana's career was about, and yeah, it's just one of the highlights of what we do. Right. So, um, tell me a bit about Mana. I, were, I wasn't really aware of this. So, he started New Horizon Pro Wrestling, is that correct? He, that's right, yeah. And so is he, he the head trainer? And... Yeah, head trainer, promoter, jack of all trades. Yeah, wow. He's had to... He is... Um, I call him Zordon at this point because um, only because he he is um, he's in a wheelchair. He's uh, back and forth between hospitals. He's had a rough couple years, but he has always been like always on the phone online. And, and we've got our wrestling academy set up so that he is like right up on the screen and looming over everybody as they train. Oh, really? And just telling... It, it, it is literally, <laughs> literally just like, ra- Rangers, you do this mission for me. This is I'm amazing. Out. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so it's cool like, that he's found, found a way while while struggling physically to still play, like, such an active role in everybody's training. That's really inspiring. I don't know how he does it. And yeah. it's like... I, I, I try and be a more... Uh, front person like promoting everything like behind the scenes here he's doing twice as much twice as much work as me and yeah i don't know when he sleeps yeah wow that's a real question yeah. and and so his history is in uh melbourne wrestling is it that's where he no no so he um so he's uh new zealand born but he had a career in the uh independent scene in america oh, for okay. many years so he was uh with WXW over there, and uh, if, if ECW hadn't folded uh-huh. back in '01, he probably would have been a part of that at some point. Right. But he, a lo- lot of lot of independent promotions, like like the original MLW, he was a part of that. And then eventually, around about '06 '07, he made his move over to WA, and 
Uh, he worked with a couple of promotions here for a little bit, and then he worked with his, he made his own. And th- because of the relationships that he had when he was an active wrestler, that's why we've been able to bring over all the amazing people that we have. So that's why we're able to bring over the Low Keys, the Lawlers, uh, Tanare, Jay Lethal, LAX, all, all these guys, because they either used to work with Mana or they know of his reputation. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. They know he's legit, and when you're you're bringing people over and they're crossing the world to come to stuff, you need that, like, reputation, right? You need that wrestler's credibility. Absolutely, and because he was... Um, his moniker was the Polynesian warrior, so he was a proud person about his heritage, so that's why we've been able to get a lot of people who... Like, what a lot of the appeal to them was to meet Mana because he was one of the original people who was actually promoting himself in the culture. And uh, that's why, like, like, Hanare and Jeff Cobham and the like, they all just they just wanted to meet him yeah, and just, like, pay their respects. And, yeah, it's it's crazy just the, the journey that he's been on and that everyone comes on when, when he's here. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's, re- that's really cool. Um, I yeah, I wasn't aware of the, the history or, or really the origins of New Horizon Pro Wrestling. So that that's really cool to to know how he started that, but also that he's still involved even after that. How's he how's he doing now, like health wise? Where is he at? He he seems to be on the mend. Yeah. Um, he hasn't uh, been able to come to a a training session like in person for a while, but every day he seems to be a little bit closer. And I I, rec- I feel like. That, at some point, like he'll we'll see him again in person, and obviously, you just got to keep our distance in the meantime. But yeah, yeah he he's still always there, and and like we, we, he's always a video call away if we ever need him. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That, it's really cool that he's so involved, and it must have been so challenging to go through those kind of health issues while dealing with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff as well. When your immune system is weaker and you're not at your best and stuff like that, you'd have to be so careful. And finding ways to be involved, a lot of people would just go, "Oh well, I can't be there. Nothing can happen. It's all shut." Like, and that would be it. So, speaks to a work yeah, no, ethic, he, right? He's not taking no for an answer. Yeah. <laughs> he's just yeah, he'll yeah. find a way. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, the 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 other thing we were going to touch on is your work with uh, Culture City, right? Because New Horizon, mm-hmm. much like uh, my friends over at Deathmatch Down Under, have been working on uh, mm-hmm. being very inclusive and everything like that. How's that all been going, man? It's been going wonderful. So that's one of the things that I got started about October 2019. So it's just been going just shy over a year now. And if the the pandemic hadn't happened, it'd be a lot more active than it has been. But it's something that we've managed to integrate into our shows, all of our shows since then. And it's one of the initiatives that I thankfully was able to bring over to NHBW, and I was looking for a long time to try and see if there's something that we could actually bring over to kind uh, make a bit more relationship with the community, and also just introduce people, like a whole new group of people, to the shows and what we do. And it's just one of the natural fit, one of the most natural fitting things that we have ever done. Oh, I could, um, I could definitely see that. Like when I I came to the performance center, I was like blown away like the turnout a is amazing and you can tell like you guys are very active in the community a lot of kids you know a lot of families like and they were like very interactive with the show like you said with people yelling when they're doing the cookie 
cheat and stuff like that. Like they yeah. know their favorites, they know everybody, they're booing, they're cheering and stuff. So uh, anything else that you guys can do to continue to strengthen that bond with like your local community can only be like an amazing thing. Yeah, you know, no wrestling company wants to exclude someone from coming. If someone actually wants to go to a live show, you want to try and make accommodate them as best they can. And this is just one of the ways that we do it. Absolutely. And like for us, it's easy to take uh, for granted that we can just jump into stuff and things like that. But you can have people who are fans at home and would love to attend a live show, but due to their kind of, uh, you know, situation, that always like can't be possible. And to make that possible with them can be a game changer. You know, they could grow up like, like you did and become involved in the industry and there can be ways that they can do stuff, which is pretty killer. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I, so I, I should preface exactly what, what it is. I yeah, suppose. yeah, I was about so to like... say, it's like, what are the <laughs> actual steps? I already know. So we're just like, yeah, it's awesome. But, <laughs> but for those who are not familiar with Culture City, run me through what they do, bud. So they are a, a not-for-profit. They're a sensory-inclusive uh, charity organisation, and what that means is that they deal with uh, with people who have uh, like conditions such as autism, PTSD, ADHD, high levels of anxiety, situations where a live event would be very stressful and would set some people off in the wrong circumstances. Like there's very loud noises, there's a bad smell in the air, there's lights that are blinding so in other words a live wrestling show for example or a concert anything like that could be alarming for a lot of people and in some instances if people have things like autism ptsd and all those other things it overloads their system and they just need to they need to calm down and collect themselves before they do anything and a lot of the times because people aren't accessible in that way that stops a lot of people from going out and being more social and getting involved in the community. And I found out about Culture City through AEW. Uh, they made their announcement at the start of 2019. I remember that, yeah. And I was I was kind of riffing with uh, some friends online and just saying, like, why hasn't a, a WWE never done anything like this? And then yep. I started to think smaller and smaller, just like, well, hell, why hasn't indie wrestling done this? Because it's a perfect fit for what indie wrestling is is associated with and like the the allure the 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 bad name that you call what you will that's associated with indie wrestling is like you you part of like the bingo halls the youth centers and all those other places but those places are designed to be more accessible to people of all ages and try and be as accommodating as possible so it's like you have a venue that is designed to try and help people and then you just have to have training and you have to have equipment and that's one of the things that took me about better part of nine months to try and get together here in Australia and like I said uh, back in October 2019 we're able to announce that we're the first sensory inclusive charity uh, charity promotion wrestling promotion in Australia oh wow to be partnered and uh, as you mentioned the great people at Deathmatch Down Under they were able to reach out uh, a couple months ago and uh, Aaron and Jay, they had a chat to me, and they're saying, like, this is the promotion that we're trying to get started, and we want to learn a bit more, and, like, it's something we want to make inclusion a part of, a big part of what we do. And fair play to them, because you would think like, a company that's called Deathmatch Down Under, you think the, the big thing that they're trying to promote is the Deathmatch Wrestling, but 
no, they're, they're being very smart and they're being very, uh, very accommodating and showing that they they really care about everyone who comes to their shows, from the wrestlers to the fans. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to, for them, they announced uh, last month as well that they partnered, and it's been one of the it's been one of my favorite things to tell people that we have an adults only deathmatch company that is inclusive. Yeah, it's just yeah, uh, and. Obviously, it's one of the things that I'm trying to promote to other states as well. Um, been in talks with a lot of people, and hopefully some more things will happen soon. Uh, fingers crossed. But, yeah, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the biggest endeavors that I've been a part of, and it's been one of the most rewarding as well. Yeah, absolutely. On the on a ground level, what does what does that actually look like at the venue? So if I'm uh, I'm somebody that's approached the venue, I'm very excited to come to to a wrestling event, but uh, but I have these issues. What does that that look like? You know, for me, and what are the what are the actions I can do, or the people I can reach out to, or, or how does it all work? You know, like the actual mechanics of it. So with us the way that you go about it is like at the moment you walk through the doors that there are signs around that actually tell you exactly where you are and what the the areas are designed for. So there's the the area in where the wrestling ring is held where the, that's the quiet area. That's where if you need, uh, as part of the thing with Culture City, they provide sensory bags that have noise-canceling headphones, fidget toys, a whole bunch of other uh, pieces of equipment. And those are the areas where you most likely need to use those kinds of equipment. So it, it tells people, like, some some people with autism and other conditions, like, they just need that extra, just, they, they see the the symbol, like, that's what one of the things Culture City tries to do. They try and promote the fact that, like, th- this is what these symbols mean and this is what this area is designed for. Obviously, you find that pretty quickly when you go to a wrestling show, like, this is where you should probably cover your ears if things are a bit, overpowering but as you walk in um, we have areas that are the, the relaxed areas where if something is too loud you just sit in a little couch area and you just take a breather um, as you walk in and you see uh, the the ticket stand the um, the merch desk um, with our lovely lady of the Erin um, she there's a bag there's a sign that says all the where all the sensory bags are and she takes all your details down and we hand them out free to everyone uh, to rent out for the night. And it's one of the things that, uh, with Culture City as well, they actually have their own app. So if it's like one of the things, like to prepare someone to go outside to go to an event, like it's more about, it's more of like setting up a routine. Yeah. So not, not only is it a routine with us that we try and do things regularly, like trying every month or every fortnight if we're able to. But it's on the uh, Culture City app. They actually list step by step. This is what's going to happen. So like people will have like their routines for brushing their teeth. Like people with autism, like they it's step by step. Like okay, this is how this is going to go. It's it's kind of that process. So it's more you're preparing beforehand that that this is actually this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to this event. You're allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. And so it's, it's a matter of preparing people beforehand. Uh, they come to the show and all the staff are all trained in to identify people with sensory needs. And if anything were to happen, then there are spots available that they can have a breather and still enjoy the show 
So it's it's a mixture of pre-planning, but also just ground level, making sure that everyone recognizes that a few people in attendance might need a little bit extra help, and it doesn't change the wrestling show at all. Yeah. So it's just it's just all the extra things in the background yeah. that while while the wrestling is going on, just all these little things that you wouldn't even know that all these changes have been done, save for the the, the equipment and all the signs, but it's just a little thing that's just, as I mentioned, just a natural fit for yeah. independent wrestling and what we're all trying to do. It's kind of amazing because, like you say, it's such a small difference uh, to the actual wrestling show itself, but such a massive difference to an individual who's maybe going through these things, you know, and that that's that's amazing to me. I love that Culture City as well, like it doesn't just start and end with the show, right? It sounds like the this group, like the like this organization is really taking in hand how to help from home through to show through to everything and helping people manage their lives better so they can kind of go to these experiences. Um and I am I right in saying that they're doing more than just beyond wrestling? Like, are they doing concerts and sports and and different yeah. things and stuff as well? Absolutely. So the the main thing that that for the longest time when they were first starting up, it's been a lot more to do with events and concerts yeah, wow. and uh, sporting like big sporting organizations over in America, like the NBA, the football leagues over there. They've only recently started uh, partnering up with Culture City, uh-huh. and it's because of that. AEW were the first wrestling organization to partner, so that they've kind of opened the door. In, in, I, I've taken that cue as they've opened the door for wrestling to take that step and be a part of it. So, so AEW, NH, and Deathmatch Down Under, we are the only three promotions at this time mm-hmm. that are actually associated with really? wrestling. So it's not wow. something that is. It's not. It's not the. It's not the thing that's. Uh, just just for wrestling. So it can be for any event. Uh, yeah. Just uh, if you look on the Culture City socials, they've partnered up with haunted houses. They've partnered up with hospitals. A bank just recently, like in America, they've just partnered up and to make their spaces a bit more accessible. So it's it's something that can be, that can be integrated into any activity that uh, would require, like people might need to just prepare for beforehand or just to try and make things a bit easier for people in the long run. So, yeah. That, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. And hopefully we'll be seeing like more uh, wrestling organizations getting on board uh, and, and getting involved. Uh, it, it seems, like I said, it seems like such a minor inconvenience to the show compared to mm-hmm. such a huge convenience to potential fans, you know, like a, yeah, who want to experience that. And it's not something that like, the people who have had to use the equipment or anything like that, it, that, it doesn't affect other people's enjoyment of it, of people who, who don't need it. Yeah. And, like, and it, it's also there for people who, even if they don't necessarily need it for any sensory issues, you can actually even just go up to the, the merch desk and say, like, do you mind if I borrow the headphones for a second? I've got a splitting migraine. Yeah, and I just I'll have a couple people come to me after the shows, and they'll actually just tell me just like I just needed to take a breather just with the headphones on, and just like 
I just still able to enjoy the show and, and love it. So yeah, yeah. Just sit there in the crowd yeah. with the the headphones on, not all the noise and the screaming and the music, and just like watch the wrestling. Yeah, and and, and like you want sometimes you just want to focus on the story that's being told in the ring, and for some reason or other, something might be getting in the way of that. And yeah, it's it it's something that just you would think that would hamp but would damper. Uh, something being told to you, but no, it can enhance things if nothing else. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Michael. Is there, um, if there's anybody listening that wants to reach out to Culture City and get involved, or you're a, representing a wrestling organisation, or you're even just somebody that wants to help, is there somewhere they should be reaching out to to, to speak to them or...? So, if they want to get involved with Culture City, uh, their social, like they have, uh, they're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, uh, at Twitter, they're at Culture C, so Culture with a K and end with a C. Um, you can reach out to uh, myself uh, on my own pages, or you can re- reach out to NHBW or Deathmatch Down Under, and they'll quickly give all the information that you need. Where if anyone wants to get involved, like, I, I'm highly uh, I, I want to make sure that it happens because yeah. Michael's very visible online. Yeah. You can find him very easy. Australian wrestling yeah. community on, on Facebook is yeah. a great place to go, and you can find I'm him. Not hard to find, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reach out to me; I can put you in contact with him, uh, and I'll make sure that in the episode notes for this, we'll list every you know possible thing that we need for that because it, it, it's very important, man. And like, I think you're doing like some great work with it, and look forward to seeing more and more people include this in stuff going forward yeah so am i man so like hopefully this is all a uh, sign of better things to come and uh, i would the, the goal obviously is that it can be associated with something that is across all states and so that we can say that the whole country is working towards this and Absolutely. then after that then yeah who knows yeah exactly it just become a staple of life and uh, make it even easier for people that have any kind of uh, issues like this or anybody if it just makes the, it easier for them to go to shows, they can just do that everywhere. And it's like like at the moment we check in everywhere, right? Like uh, we've got a little COVID safe app, so we go in and go beep and nobody even thinks about it anymore. And if yeah. Culture City was like that for anybody that needs it, that would be pretty amazing. You can walk in anywhere and the, there's an opportunity for them. How much easier is that going to make their life? That's pretty amazing. If if the lockdown has taught us anything, it's just to be grateful what we have and just to uh, try and help integrate and bring people back into the new norms, whatever those are. Yeah. But, yeah. Exactly. Pull together and make it work. Um, let's, let's use this as a segue because one thing I'm going to be grateful for is that tag team tournament <laughs> and for wrestling violence. Uh, is there any chance you can run down the first card for me there, buddy? I could. We haven't actually announced any matches yet. Oh, no. So it's a secret. It's, just, it's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but So this will be the first. I, I feel like it's safe to say. So this will be the first uh, tag team tournament that will have all WA teams in. Mm-hmm. So last year we were able to bring over the prodigy Tommy Knight over from Adelaide and he was able to help defend the, the tag titles from the future legends. So the first time so, I ever saw him actually, before Deathmatch yeah. Down Under, I saw him <laughs> for you guys. I thought he, he was a he Perth guy around. until recently. <laughs> yeah, you know, he gets around. Like, I don't know how he does it. Like he's like I've been the only he's only been to WA for a couple times now, but yeah, he's 
he's already made an impact. Like he won two titles in two times he was here. Jeez, like, okay. Yeah. All right. But, uh, <laughs> he's pretty impressive. Yeah, so if, the- <laughs> if nobody's ever seen him before, he's a very imposing man, and you can uh, check it, check him out online. Uh, he also opened the Deathmatch Down Under event. Yeah, against uh, Richie Taylor, Smash Mouth. Like yeah. that was one of the very hardest hitting matches that I've. That it, if you want to open a wrestling show, that's definitely how you do it. Yeah, a couple of big boys beating each other within an inch of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, so that that will be happening all throughout Battle of Honor. We'll have a couple other matches planned uh, throughout the night. So uh, unfortunately, like at, at this time, like I haven't, I haven't had a clue about who the participants are. That's okay. Does Obviously, it all happen over yeah. like in one night, or is it over at numerous shows? So it's usually uh, usually just over one night. Sometimes, oh, wow. depending on how how much people we've had, we've had uh, two two night events, and we've been able to split the tournament. Uh, over those two nights, similar to how uh, Coliseum had the uh, their tournament uh, over the two nights, which I was lucky to be a part of um, and see when uh, when that happened. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that 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 will be happening, and we've got a few other surprises in store, and yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, that is awesome. So when when is this going down again? Let's run through the date one more time. March twentieth at the Coburn Youth Center. So uh, big, uh, one of our big returns back to the venue. We're going to make sure this year is kicked off right back in our home, and we're going to crown a new winner of the Hedgehog Samuel Legacy Cup. They'll be our tenth recipient of the cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing about the, the the Legacy Cup tournament is that sometimes people actually win the tag titles on the night, depending on if the champions get involved. So if they are a part of it, they almost have to always put the tiles on the line so they they either risk it all by trying to win the cup or they lose everything by the end of the night so it's a it's a very interesting prospect to see like depending on if they choose to get involved or not who are the current uh nhpw tag team champions so that would be that is that's a that's a loaded question only because uh so (laughs) a group that is not not intentionally so the future legends is the group that is uh our tag team champions but the reason it's a loaded question is because the the, the team has actually gone through a lot of changes over the years so mm. the team that won it back in October of 2019 is different to the team that's here now so with uh, with the Freebird rule uh, so the, the original two people that won the tag titles were Julian Ward and Rogan Cargus mm-hmm. and over time those gentlemen have been kicked out of the the team. So now at the moment, the tag team champions are Kinnicky Wheeler and Rory Holmes. So oh, they yeah. are the team that makes up the legends. So they are the original team that won it uh, way back yonder, but they're the ones that are still keeping the the faction alive. That's hilarious. So, so th- just yeah. the guys that currently hold it weren't even the original winners. They've just managed to obtain it through freebird rule and politics, basically. Pretty much, and they're, they're, they're not there yet, but they're close to being, like, the longest reigning in our organization's history, so I don't know if they're going to be able to take full credit for that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky thing whether they actually, because of the way they've been able to keep the titles all this time, whether they actually will get involved or not. So yeah. that's part of the appeal. 
Excellent. <laughs> that sounds exciting, man. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to have to see what I can do to get down and check that one out. It'll be nice to get back to the the uh, performance centre as well. Like I said, a beautiful venue. And uh, it'd be be nice to come down and catch yourself in person as well. I can't wait to see you, man. Like, Because uh, I've, I've seen you around, uh, obviously, at Balawana, but at other Jake the Snake tour oh, and yep. a couple other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was, that was a fun event as well, yeah. It was. Uh, for the, those that uh, don't know what we're talking about, Jake the Snake Roberts did like a, a talking tour and came through and so we were at the amplifier bar and like he, he was just sitting on a stage kind of telling stories and answering questions and stuff. It was a great night, right? Yeah, I was been fortunate enough to MC that event and help introduce and work with Jake the Snake Roberts and oh, wow. I remember quite I remember quite vividly actually telling people in the in the build up before he came on stage saying listing all his accomplishments and saying that if hell if he wanted to he could appear in all the wrestling and then not three weeks later that that bastard actually appears with Lance Archer in tow and just like yeah called it that was great you just called it in advance yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the sign of he a good good realize. announcer right there. Yeah. Oh, that that is, that is killer, man. But yeah, don't be a stranger. Perth's too small a place, so of course we're gonna uh, cross each other's paths, and we'll definitely say good day uh, and have a chance to meet in person properly. Yeah. It's been fantastic. Thank you for having me. Man. No worries, man. Have a great day at work, and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, thank you. Everybody, this has been Faces and Feels. Uh, If you want to check out uh, New Horizon Pro Wrestling, uh, check them out on social media. All the links will be in the bio. Michael will be uh, in the bio with all his uh, social media stuff, his uh, Facebook group, Australian Wrestling Community, uh, and you'll be able to find him. And, of course, check out Culture City. Uh, I have been Rafe Houston. You can see us online at Faces Feels Cast on Twitter, at Faces Feels Cast on Instagram. And if you want to get in contact uh, with Michael or the good people at Culture City, you can always send me an email too if it's easier, facesandfeels at gmail.com. Thank you, Michael, for your time. Pleasure being a part of it all, man. And just, yeah, like I said, I've been looking forward to this for a long time now and did not disappoint. Oh, excellent. Thank you so much, man. And everybody out there, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling.